creatures in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. And welcome, everybody, to our Daily Gun Show. Come to you live each weeknight at midnight Eastern. We talk about guns for about an hour. Uh, we've got some people joining. We've got Gary jumping in from Kansas. Thanks for joining. Thanks for the invite, sir. You bet. We got we got uh, Hosh jumping in from California. What's going on? What's up, everybody? I just finished a meal of Vietnamese food. I'm feeling full, so let's have some fun. Right on. And I can't get my mouse to go down. What's going on here? And something hitting my keyboard. Um, I'll be quickly distracted here. Patriot jumping in from Michigan. Thanks for joining. Hello. Thank you for the invite. Uh, I've got Tatus also from Michigan. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, then we got Gunstop jumping in from Oklahoma. Thanks for jumping in again tonight. Yep, thanks for the invite, sir. You bet. I'm in Tucson, and we've got a couple of things on the agenda. Uh, Thursdays, historically, for the show have been training, and I'm not a big training dude anymore, so we're going to talk about being aware of your surroundings. We have a pretty good group tonight. It should be interesting. We can talk about CCW or education as well. And then, of course, every day we talk about a gun shop. We talk about uh, history and, you know, whatever else we can come up with. So uh, before we dig in, all kinds of good stuff. I've been in Yankees chat, Clover's chat, and Sarge's chat. All pretty decent chats tonight. Um, I know there's probably others, too. So Matt had some kind of weird chat going earlier. And anyway, anything else been going on in people's lives? It's worth chatting before we get into the show. Not much for me. Never asking that again. So, uh, ideas on how to always be aware of your surroundings. Go. Use your ears. Listen. Oh, come on. You're a Marine. I was Please. Marine response. I'm going to give you one more opportunity to give us the Marine response to how do you be aware of your, or how, about being aware of your surroundings. No, no. I think right. I I place myself in situations and positions and situations that give me the best advantage points. Advantage I points. I believe it was James Mattis. No, it was earlier than that. It was. No, I think it was Mattis. He said, "Be polite, be professional, but have a plan to kill everybody you meet." <laughs> <laughs> And that's, uh, I don't know if that's a Marine motto or something, but I mean, honestly, that's a warrior's mentality. You have to be aware of every circumstance and you're going to be aware of how to help them and also how to help your family out of a bad situation, right? Who was it? Rob D just said, don't be drunk in public. That's a very good piece of advice. That's a good one. I uh, learned from who was it? Who was it who got shot in the back? Buffalo Bill Cody. Don't sit with your back to the door. That's Wild Bill Hickok. Wild Bill Hickok. That's it. You just stole mine. Yeah, I was gonna say always sit in the corner. Know who you're with. Know your exits. I've seen too many new movies not to sit in the corner. So that's a good point. Now you guys are all. I'm assuming the heads of the family, the males of the family. When you sit down at a restaurant or a place. 
are you sitting with back to the corners? I mean, it's for me, it's possible. I don't have to worry about a kid or something, knocking somebody over if I'm in a corner because uh, I'd like to keep my eye on the door or what the exits or what. But when you're rounding up a bunch of kids dealing with, you know, just whatever day-to-day -day stuff, is that a possible thing? Is it an accomplishable thing? I think so most of the time. I mean, yeah, you can't really pick your table all the time, but usually I try and position myself in the best vantage point of whatever table I'm given. And yeah, the kids can be a handful. And actually, that's a good point that they can put you in situations where they're having a meltdown and you're like, I got to extricate the kid or, you know, whatever. You still got to keep an eye on what's going on. Well, that's one thing I always think about when I go sit down at a restaurant. Of course, I have kids and stuff, but I'm always picky about where I sit. And then I always want to set where my guns, you know, on my hip to the inside for whatever reason, just in my own little head. That's my thing. So if I sit in a booth, I want to sit on the side where my right side's facing in. Well, that's interesting. That could be tough sometimes, though, depending on what, what takes priority, I guess. Back to the wall or like facing a door or having the gun on the inside? No, the back to the wall facing the door, I think, some more. But if I have my choice, I try to do both. Well, that's a good point. I never really thought about it. I think I'd probably do the same thing, really. I think I usually drive my wife nuts with it because I'm like, over here, over here, while we're being seated. It just depends on who I'm with, though. I, I've, you know. How about exits? You pay attention to exits? That's one of those things. So there's things that you can do to remind yourself to be aware, right? Or, you know, just little tricks you can give yourself if you're dieting or if you're, I don't know, trying to stop biting your nails or smoke or whatever. There's these like little mental tricks you can do. So if you're about to sit down or if you walk into a place, yeah, count the exits, um, that kind of thing. So I don't know. I, it's tough when you go to the same places all the time, I guess. That's the challenge, I guess, right? To remember when you go to a new place to be aware of all that stuff. Yeah. And another thing I kind of do is people watch, you know, as you're walking in. Yeah. Kind of profile everybody. May not be the right thing, but it's kind of what I do. Well, I think there's a lot to be said for having eye contact when you are the person in a restaurant who isn't face down into the uh, telephone screen or into the menu or just involved in a conversation with the person across from you to where you're ignoring everything else. But instead, every once in a while, you are looking up and taking a scan of the room making eye contact with other people who are making a scan of the room. One, it lets any predators know that you're not a prey, right? You're aware of what's going on. And there are other people out there who are doing the same thing as you. And, you know, you've all experienced it. You make eye contact with them and you give them that little nod. Now you know there's somebody else in there who's paying attention, right? Yeah. And plus, I'm 6'1", 280, so I'm usually not too easy to prey on. I don't know. I always figure that doesn't mean nothing. It's, there's always people that think they got it over you, right? And it'll just be three people, and they think they got you. Huh. That is true also. Uh, somebody four foot tall can shoot you in the neck, and then it don't matter. That is also a fair point. The good thing about being normal size, not a little guy, is that 9mm is basically where I'm into that. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> but Gary carries a 380. Patriot, I'm sure you you may have a unique situation. Um, you get more on more aware, or I don't know like, I, what like for you. Going to restaurants, usually I'm with someone, you know, and it, it's 
it's kind of difficult. I mean, I listen to everything, and so I, I know most of the places I go. And I when, when I first sit down, I do listen, and I, I find out where the doors are just because, I mean, you can hear it. You can tell where, I mean, even in a, like a, a doctor's office, you can tell where the door is at just by, you know, the, the lack of sound, you know, if, if nobody's going through it or whatever. Like there's not a seat there. There's a gap in the conversation yeah, you, in front of the door, right? You can tell. And then if you walk around and, you know, especially if you go with people that you're accustomed to going with, you know, a couple of people you hang out with, you know, they kind of understand what you're, you know, what you're looking for and what you're watching out for, what you would be. And so they kind of fill in the, the gaps a little bit. But yeah, it is different. Obviously, I'm not, you know, I, I look around anyways, which is, I guess, kind of weird for some people. But if if you're in a room with me and you're talking, I'm looking at your, your face. You know, people think I can see because I have one eye that, that looks normal, you know, and the other one's cool, silver, you know, like a robot or something. But anyways, uh, so they, a lot of people don't even know I'm fully blind. You know, because I, I've I've practiced and focused on keeping eye contact, even though I can't see what the hell you look like. But which you know, you know that kind of defends people, you know, because they they kind of worry, like, oh, well, this guy is looking at me. So, is it true that you get the increased, like, you know, awareness of other stuff? So, like the door opening, you get the chill in the room, the quietness when everybody maybe is stop you know like you probably notice everyone stopping the conversation if something's going on the street outside or something you pay attention more i mean if there's any blind people listening i probably get in trouble if i if i say you know we don't hear better and all that kind of stuff but it's just you focus on it you know you you, you pay attention to things more so you know i i might not hear any better than i ever did but i actually pay attention to it so but yeah you pick up on little cues like that I mean, you can tell if, if somebody's uncomfortable because they're, you know, they're coughing or, you know, they're, they're fidgeting or you can hear them doing stuff. So I mean, you, you kind of get used to picking up on people. So and you listen to, you know, other conversations that are going on. And, you know, I mean, if it sounds like somebody's having an attitude and they're they're fighting and it, it doesn't sound, you know, pleasant or just a normal conversation, you can pay attention to it a little bit more. But that's the same as you sitting in there. If there's somebody that looks like they're arguing, you know, and the guy's looking like he's kind of crazy, you know, usually they sound crazy with that that look. So, well, that brings up a good point. Is it still situational awareness when, let's say, you're deciding what restaurant or what bar or whatever you're going to go into to get something to eat or drink, and you go in and it just seems rowdy, and you turn right around and you go to another place? Is that, or is that something? Else? I think that's situational awareness. Like not just being so focused on, I'm going to get a pizza that like, I'm going to the pizza place. I don't care that there's two rival soccer teams or whatever. Having a, you know, whatever, there's a show. Yeah, watch, watching a game or something. Yeah, especially if it's a bar like that. If it, you go in and it, it's just way too loud, I I can't stand it. Because if it gets too loud, it... it it jumbles me because I, you know, I'm, I'm focused so much on listening. So I, I'll want to, you know, go to the back room or whatever that's a little quieter, maybe or somewhere else. 
I really like Buffalo Wild Wings, but whenever there's like a big game or a fight on, I stay away from that place like the plague, dude, because everyone's getting trashed and then everyone gets rowdy. So what you're saying is you go into a bar and they're sitting completely across the room from each other and half the bar is wearing red bandanas and half the bar is wearing blue bandanas. You should probably leave. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, there's open spots right in the middle. <laughs> or wear a purple bandana, maybe. Wait, yeah. no, never that mind. Means you're no, neutral, don't right? do that. <laughs> I thought <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings didn't allow guns on premises. They don't around here. Well, if they don't, then I don't pay any attention to that. because Do they have a metal detector? No, but that that brings up the point, especially with the you know the liquor and the bar kind of scene compared to a restaurant or a doctor's office. I mean, there's obviously different situations for each of those. You know, I mean, you're not going into a doctor's office that's rowdy, unless it's like an emergency room on a Saturday night or something. But then that's. I'm going to take the discussion. Into a whole other direction. We're going to stay with with situational awareness. However, unless my calculations are wrong, every single one of the other panelists here tonight is a father of kids. So my question is going to be: How have you taught your kids, or what have you taught your kids about mm-hmm. situational awareness? At what time is it start to be a thing? And I can't even imagine because of the world, you know, with the perception of the world today and the dangers and whatnot, and the types of things that they got to deal with. So I don't know if you guys want to go left, right, uh, or if somebody just wants to throw out there. But uh, I'll go with Snob. Put you on the spot. Well, I probably haven't done as good a job of that as I should because I, you really just made me kind of think about that. To be honest, I mean, I kind of make them know that if I say, you know, we're leaving, we're leaving, kind of deal. But I never really thought about it as far as you just put it till just then. Uh, taters? Uh, the very first thing I started teaching my kids when they started being big enough to walk like by themselves, like in a parking lot or whatever, is to stay, you know, away from, away from the cars. Like you're walking down the lane, they stay in between me and the parked cars. That way, if somebody's not paying attention, texting in the parking lot or something, they're more likely to hit me. And then, uh, just stuff like if we're in a restaurant or a crowded place or something and we're sitting at a table, if I pipe up and say something, they all know to stop whatever they're doing and look at me to see what I'm about to say, you know, in case I'm like, all right, you know, get down or whatever. Just little stuff like that while they're young. Yeah, and that's kind of one thing I have done is, you know, don't question me when we're at somewhere and I say do something. Don't question it. Of course, now they're teenagers, so they question everything I do. And of but, course, you know. the obvious, you know, don't talk to strangers and, you know, stuff like that. And that's like the stranger danger. I'm guessing they get that from school, but I'm guessing they don't get the situational awareness so much of like how to deal with no. to a restaurant. So Patriot, you're up next. My my big thing was was obviously if I don't see, you know, and taking my, my daughter out when she was young or whatever, even just walking the neighborhood, it was always pay attention. Is there a car parked there? That there's no house there. Why is there a car parked there? You know, on this side street, you know, pay attention to the cars. It's the biggest thing that are, that are parked. If there's somebody sitting in there, that somebody that, you know, have you seen that car before? You know, and I made, made sure that if she's seen something that wasn't normal or a car parked there, that's always there, you know, 
remember the color, remember what kind it looks like, you know, and, you know, it was always kind of a game, but, you know, taught to pay attention when you're, you're riding your bike, you don't have your earphones on, you know, when you're walking down the road, you don't have your earbuds in playing on your phone, you know, there, there's a lot of that, I mean, especially now, you know, she's older and stuff like that, so you really got to, I mean, that's what I've, I've pushed is, is pay attention. You know, you got to look around when you're walking down the road. Don't just look at your feet walking down the sidewalk, you know, being oblivious. Pay attention. You know, you look at everything that's around. Make sure you see if there's a car coming, you know, or somebody walking on the other side or whatever. You just pay attention and you see it. Because if you're looking around, then they're going to see you too. So, I don't know. That's that's the big biggest thing I've pushed is, is just to, you know, pay attention. Because, like, if I walk out, I can't tell the color of a car. But, you know, if it was our game since he was little, you know, walk out, oh, yeah, it was, you know, blue or whatever, you know, it helps. Well, you kind of bring an interesting point to it, just in the fact that uh, she kind of helps with your situational awareness more than, you know, even her own even. Yeah, and, and it was just because, you know, she goes down the road to her friend's house or she's outside or she rides her bike and stuff, you know, and and... For me, you know, I mean, if I'm out there, you know, I, you know, they're not going to steal me, you know. So it, it, it's basically just lining her up to, to know that, hey, yeah, we, we live in a nice neighborhood, but, you know, bad things happen and there are bad people and they do bad things. And, you know, just because we're nice and we don't see them doesn't mean they're not going to do bad things. Well, I, mean, I hope that more than just bad people, because I guess, you know, make, keep kids aware but i don't like the idea of striking fear when it's like lightning strikes or whatever i like to say but just bad, you know dumb things can happen like that guy's working on his car and he's up at the top of the hill i'm not going to cut this because it's not really that much of a shortcut to risk walking underneath where this car if it fell off its jacks would smush me you know instead i'll walk up and go around so you know maybe just being aware of like dangerous situations or like hey that guy's working on a ladder up there right exactly i mean there's a lot of a lot of things, you know, where she's just playing in a, you know, a field or whatever. You know, you got to pay attention to just what's going on and stuff. Now you're, Focusing. I didn't know if you said it. She's ten. Yes. And then taters. How old are your tots? What it is there? These <laughs> are older, I think. Fourteen. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Hosh, you back? Turning into chaos. Is anybody here? Gary. <laughs> no, Hosh is gone, but I appeared. That's weird. So nobody's here then. I'm nobody's here. here. Gary, age, approximate age, and then when you started and what you did. Well, my kids are both in their 30s. So obviously, you know, what uh, teaching I did was several years ago, but I always taught them, you know, to to be aware of what, you know, could happen and stuff like that and to be prepared for what you can do. And I'm still with my daughter now because she's getting to where she's working jobs and she's in dangerous place. She works at a prison, obviously, so you can't get much more dangerous than that. And, uh, you know, just to be aware when you get in and out of that car, who's around you, should they be there, you know, et cetera those kind of things. And even when we're out shopping together, which she goes out with me sometimes, if she stays out in the car, I tell her, I said, 
somebody comes up to this car, open that glove compartment. There's something in there for you. <laughs> oh, is she back? This is ridiculous. He's not getting yep. a check. <laughs> That was another thing I'd like to bring up as far as, you know, just, you know, if, if she has a feeling, you know, she's in a situation, whatever, you know, with, with friends or, or playing or at school or whatever, and she has a, a feeling like something isn't right to pay attention to that. Because that, that's something that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, just, you know, look around and, and that kind of stuff. But that, you know, if she doesn't feel like something's right or something's kind of wrong, you know, either with, you know, people or just the situation, like you said, if something, you know, is feels wrong, you know, to actually pay attention to that. I hope that wasn't like hippie mojo stuff there, but. No, I think that's good because then that teaches her to, that validates her, her intuition, right? Yep. Yeah. Her perception or whatever. It says, yeah, you stifle that. And then I can't imagine that's good for anything. Taters is back. I was asking. Um, ages. Oh, okay. I was asking. I was reading and talking at the same time. I was asking what the age of the tots are. Age How old are my kids? Yeah. I've got uh, my daughter just turned three. I've got a six-year-old boy and an eight-year-old boy. Oh, I thought they were older. Okay, so you're teaching them at pretty young age. Pre is that school yet? That's school. Some of them are. Yeah, my boys are in school. So uh, you were teaching them about awareness before school even? As soon as they could walk. Okay. Ush is going to be back in a bit. And Angelina, as a delicate female, how, does, how do you deal with awareness of your situation, your surroundings? Um, <clears throat> well, um, I mean, I like to think that I'm pretty aware of, you know, where I am and what's going on around me. And, you know, that's important for, for anyone, really. But, um, yeah, I mean, I try, to, I try to be aware. And, you know, even if you're just, like, getting gas or something, just like, all right, who's around me? What, what's around me? You know, what, where am I? So I don't but know. Shit like that. I will, even in the van, I will not stop at some gas stations. I don't care if it's two cents cheaper. And I'm cheap, you know. I'll still go across the street sometimes. Or not across the street, but down the next exit or something well yeah i mean like so i mean as like a chick so like well lit stuff you know cool like nice bathrooms that aren't fucking weird because then you're like caught with your pants down i mean literally um yeah i don't know just being aware of like shady shit and like shady characters that might linger around the bend well, something that kind of goes along to that with is you can train and prepare all you want with a gun to defend yourself, but the best way to defend yourself is just pay attention and not be in a situation where you might need it. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's something yeah. that, I don't know, my, like, when I was a kid, uh, my dad used to go deposit his paychecks at the bank, and he would just leave my sister and I in the car, and he would leave it running and say, you know, anything happens, like, just fucking get out of here. So, I mean, I was a little kid, so it was kind of, you know, make sure you look around, make sure you're aware of where you are and what's going, what's going on.
Dang it, what you just said there threw me completely. What did you just say before that, Snob? I was going to answer, and then Angelina's thing caught me off guard. Oh, just that no matter how much you train and stuff with a gun to defend yourself, the best way to defend yourself is just keep yourself out of that situation. Oh, right on. Yeah, I was going to say, ever since I started carrying a firearm, CCW, or before that, um, anytime I would have been like, oh, I'll just cut down this alley, I quit doing that. Like the minute I started carrying a firearm, so I'm like, I don't want to be down that alley with a gun. <laughs> Rather walk around and you know stay in the light and not have to worry about it, never having to draw that thing. Yeah, because that's the last thing you want to do is deal with that headache if you have to draw it. Yeah, exactly. So I think I've probably gone out of my way to avoid things that I probably before I and then it wasn't that I I think it was just because I wasn't paying attention before I got the firearm and uh, CCW classes to make you actually think about it. Kind of seems like common sense, but if you never kind of bring it to a point you never you never start engaging in that habit i guess so i would have never even thought about ditching down some alley i would have you know walked down an alley because it was a shortcut or something yeah if you, if you don't know the neighborhood stay out of the alleys <laughs> all right well i think we got that one so we will move on to our next segment i guess uh, we've got a member of the day. Every day we try to feature one of the members over at Gun Channels and have been recycling some of the list from older shows. So we're digging through some of the um, original members of Gun Channels, it looks like, coming up for a while. Anybody that wants to recommend a feature, a member to feature can email us, dailygunshow at gmail.com. It's all about letting people know about people who are out there uh, doing projects or being part of uh, an audience or you know helping with, with things like the... Uh, um, early watch nation uh, for example you know there's lots of people there don't want to be unsung heroes if they're doing some work uh, let's give them some recognition for it uh, today though we're going to talk about Marco um, one of the original members of gun channels one of the people that chatted quite a bit with us in the days before uh, we even created gun channels I met Marco on that trip when Hosh and I drove around our Hoss and I drove around in uh, 2012 uh, Marco Helped out, threw some money at us, which was great. Threw a bunch of ammo at us. We were going to go shooting at the NRA range, and the police had used the range. So he just gave me all the ammo we were going to shoot, which was pretty cool. Uh, he had a lot of ammo. And then uh, he's been a member of Gun Channels ever since. Whenever we decided to start kicking in with the Instagram account, Marco took that over, and the rest is history. Marco is one of the larger gun reposters on Instagram right now. He really understands the like, pulse, I guess, of Instagram. He's been um, willing and he has shared his insight and his uh, experience with people over the years. And that's really what Gun Channels is all about. Now that he's doing it on his own, he's still an advocate for Gun Channels. He and Pink have twice now, when they went to events out and about around the country, SHOT Show and other things, have purchased hundreds of Gun Channels patches, the Gun Channels uh, logo patches. Pink and Marco by themselves have purchased hundreds of them, which allowed me to purchase them at a level that, you know, at a price point that I would not have been able to purchase them at myself. So they've, in their own way, not only have handed out hundreds of gun channels patches to people at these events on their own dime, just because they like gun channels so much, uh, but they've also allowed me to buy them at a point where when I sell them for $10, gun channels is still making a couple of bucks on it. So um, Marco and Fink also have definitely been not only uh, kind of members that we built gun channels for, but they've also helped like literally support the place. So. Again, we want to recognize people for that. I don't know if anybody's met Mo. Hosh has met Marco. I don't know if the rest of you guys have met Marco before. Angelina, did you get to meet him? 
I haven't met him, but I think I've been on like two conference calls with him back in the day. Yeah, Marco's a trip, man. He's he's a fun guy to hang out with. High energy. Yeah, and not anywhere near a cookie cutter gun owner. He's awesome. He's a no, cool, I mean you, you take the shoe, shoe, the shoe collecting with the gun collecting type of guy, and and super super into everything. Like just really energetic. His high energy is really infectious when you talk to him. Yep, and uh, just a dedication to the second and individual freedom that is cool. So yeah, can't say enough good things. And like a lot of people. He's a, he's a real dude. So some people hate him. Some people do not like him. And I can totally understand that, you know, that, but that's, that's what being legit is all about, right? Doing your thing and not trying to appeal to the, whatever plain vanilla appeals to the most people. Well, you can't make everybody happy, right? As you get older, you start to realize like the more you appeal to everybody, the least like substantive material you're coming out with, you're just making bland stuff. Yep. You're being kind of bland. So the more you are who you are, yeah, you're going to make some, not maybe not enemies, but not everybody's going to love it. Yeah, the people that tend to not like Marco are not people that I have an interest in hanging out with either. So anyway, he's a good dude. He's, he's good to the core. And uh, if you haven't met him, look forward to it. He's a good guy. If you haven't chatted with him, it's a trip. And uh, anyway, we'll keep moving. But Marco, one of the original members. And again, anybody wants to recommend somebody, if we're missing somebody here, we have been recycling some names. Our goal, though, is to, you know, make gun channels or make people aware of the members of gun channels. So help us with that. Um, anything else with uh, training or uh, CCW that we want to chat on about tonight? Crickets. I got nothing else. No, nope, I don't have anything. Bob's like the same. I always make sure my door is locked when driving in a bad area of town. I lock my doors all the time because if you get in an accident, you don't want your doors flying open. I got a little puppy in there now. Got me in there. I don't want a door flying open, me falling out. Now, mine automatically lock when I get up to a certain speed, but I try to get in the habit of as soon as I shut the door, I... I go ahead and lock them because I don't want anybody just coming up real quick and trying to open my door and get in. And that way, they're going to have to take their sweet time and I'll be ready by the time they do anything. So. Well, see, that's something I'm bad about. I, Especially if the weather's halfway pretty, I always keep my window down all the time. Pretty much no matter where I am. So I'm about that AC life right now, so mine are always up. Well, yeah. I am too in August in Oklahoma, but do you do that at home as well? Do you keep your doors locked? <laughs> I, mean, I do I, because you're on a farm or something like that. I mean, like my, my parents, eh, no, they don't do that. You know, they're, they're everything's open, but they've got German shepherds that are horses. So, you know, I. They don't have to worry about it, but I know, like, where I'm at, it's not bad at all, but mine are always locked. Unless I'm outside, of course. I mean, most of my vehicles have the keys in them all the time, and my house, I don't even know where my house keys are. I shouldn't really say that live on the interwebs, but, you know, I got a pretty vicious dog. Yeah, I, I don't know what that feels like. I've never known what that concept feels like. Like, I'm just not going to lock the doors today. Like, what? <laughs> I don't I don't know, man. It, it's so 
the concept is so foreign to me to be to the point that I don't even, I don't know how to make that like a thing. <laughs> we literally had to find a house key every time we go on vacation somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so anal about making sure my doors are locked. Half the time I accidentally lock my kids out while they're outside playing. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I, I do that every night where I'll, I'll do a walk around. I mean, just with windows, make sure, you know, I, I don't know, I guess it's a habit now, but you know, it's kind of OCD, but I, I check everything. And, you know, my, my daughter likes to do the, you know, go out on the deck and look at the stars, that kind of thing. And it's like, you know, I'll come out, you know, half hour later after she goes to bed or something and the, and the sliders open or something, you know, it's unlocked. Yeah. So I verify couple of times i'll leave lights on for weeks but all the doors will be locked so. yeah but where i live my closest neighbor that's not my family is like a mile away so that's pretty cool though all right well that long long dead air there will indicate we'll move on to the next segment i guess so that was a pretty cool conversation if you've got ideas for future conversations our general uh schedule for the week is we talk about behind the scenes stuff on monday so any kind of uh, talking about a uh, gear or software or strategies or platforms or anything like that you can talk about that kind of stuff on mondays tuesdays we devote to the second amendment to eight topics uh, we always like to feature a state, so if you've got ideas or like to jump in and talk about your experience with a state, you're welcome to. Wednesdays, we do entertainment, and we do the hashtag Daily Gun Show over on the uh, Instagrams. Today's uh, topic is CCW and training, and then on Fridays, we talk about the industry and tech. So any, any suggestions you might have or something that we've talked about in the past and you'd like us to bring it up again with this new kind of open panel format, then again, uh, let us know in the email. DailyGunShow at gmail.com. I'm happy to include them into the schedule. We're going to talk about a gun shop. So one of the reasons we do the show on a daily basis, so we can talk about a different gun shop every day. That gives us something like 200 gun shops if we did it right. Uh, if we do it right. So this one is a shop in El Centro, California. So this is called El Centro, I guess, because it's centrally located between Yuma and San Diego in this bottom-ass road of California. So... I was on the uh, trip heading to L.A., hang out with Hosh over there, just south of Angelina, and uh, met up with Smeggy in San Diego, and we checked out the Ring of Fire factories around the Los Angeles area. When, was that a weekend? I think it was during the week. Anyway, um, so on my way over, this was with the old van, uh, I stopped at some gun shops along the way, a couple in Arizona, and then El Centro was my first experience with a uh, California gun shop. So if you imagine this Route 8 goes from phoenix basically to uh san diego this whole section here from yuma to here is like what you consider desert like a you know middle east desert like nothing but dunes and sand and nothing super hot it's just not a fun drive and then there's this little town in the middle out of nowhere and uh you drive off the highway a ways down to this this border tactical it's basically a uniform shop so you know selling a bunch of uh uniform uh actual shirts and things but then you know there's like tactical pants that like uh are like the pants that paramedics will wear boots and badges and that kind of thing and the very back of the shop if this rectangle was the size of the shop just the very back little corner is this little gun shop and there's like 
15 guns and an eight lane range. And uh, yeah, it was just interesting. And, and I stopped because I wanted to get out of the van for a bit and uh, just kind of watch their, ex, their, um, their exchanges with the customers. And it was basically the same. Like a customer would walk up and go, how can I buy a gun? And then they would explain it to them. And then the, by the time they were done, the next customer was there and he'd go, how do I buy a gun? So it was almost comical. But unfortunately, it's like that every gun shop I go to in California. I think it's just a ratio of how many gun owners you have and how many new gun owners and how complex the laws are. And oh, I can't even imagine how many times gun shop employees must have to explain whatever the current laws are to people there. But anyway, it's just weird. Uh, the ARs look weird. And there's not very many guns on the roster. So the gun shops kind of look the same. So I, I saw the selection. I thought, oh, what a nice selection of guns, handguns went to the next shop and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. It's like the same selection of handguns. Went to the next gun shop and it's like, oh, that's the same selection of handguns because you got so few that you can choose from, I guess. And there's probably limited number of manufacturers or wholesalers that ship them out here. So it's anyway, it's an interesting shop. It's in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I don't know. Anybody happen to have gone to there? By any chance? No, I yeah. avoid that area. I go Have down to San Diego every year, and I've never really ventured out that direction to El Centro. But, yeah, I'm familiar with it. I just, I've drove that way, but never stopped there. Back in the day or recently? Oh, back <laughs> in the early 90s. Yeah, yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone would stop there. I think I also had to stop there with the old van. I had an issue with transmission fluid, and I thought in Yuma, like, oh, I'm not going to stop at this this uh, auto parts store because there'll be plenty in California. So I'm driving along and I'm down another quart of oil. So I'm like, oh, I'll buy a couple of two or three quarts of oil in, in El Centro because uh, I'm about to meet up with Smeggy here in a little bit. And then I wanted to stop at a place, right? And then I find out, number one, they don't even sell old oil. Like the only way to get it is in a five quart like monster thing. Uh, and uh, you have to go to like few gas, a few auto parts stores even sell it because they don't even have my type of old van in California much anymore. So it was difficult to even obtain the transmission fluid, I guess it was. And uh, it was a real pain in the ass. And plus, it was like three times the price as it was in Arizona. So that was an experience. Don't assume you can buy transmission fluid in California on the cheap. Yeah. That's like when you go up to the counter to buy transmission fluid in California, you ask, how do I buy transmission fluid? And then they give you a five-minute spiel, and then the next person comes up and asks the same thing. And it becomes Seriously. comical because, you know, we need a permit just to buy transmission fluid. Seriously, it is almost that bad. It was weird. All right, so with that, we can look at history. We'll grab the link. I don't think I did that yet. Let's say 23, 24, 24, 24, I think things is 23 or 23, yeah. 23 for you guys. Yeah. yeah, 23 <laughs> for me. I was on the 23rd on my page. Nine, two, three, I guess. Um, what do we got here? I always like to look at the first one, 1775 American Revolutionary War. King George III delivers this proclamation of rebellion to the court, stating that the American colonies have proceeded to the state of open and avowed rebellion. In 1864, the Union Navy captures Fort Morgan, Alabama, thus breaking Confederate dominance of all ports on the Gulf of Mexico, except for Galveston, Texas. 
1784, State of Franklin declares independence. 1863, a ruthless band of guerrillas attacks the town of Lawrence, Kansas, killing every man and boy in sight. Oh, that's pretty close to you, isn't it, Gary? Yes, it is. It's uh, about 45 minutes away. Is there a thing there? Any kind of, like, memorial or... Oh, yeah. What was it? Is it called something? Does it have a name? Is what? Something slaughtered? Kansas killing? Uh, Bloody Kansas, let's see. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, let's see, it was called Quantrill's Raid, but... Like, they're sure not in Kansas anymore? <laughs> we still we still don't like Missouri. Uh, that's what we got in common with Oklahoma, I think. <laughs> 1904, the automobile tire chain is patented. Oh, that's interesting. 1904? Mm-hmm. Wow. That was earlier than I would have thought. Yeah, I think, if I remember right, Savage invented the radial tire in 1911 or else 1905. So that's right around the same time. That must have been when cars were getting, like, you know, uh, used enough that people were encountering different terrain and stuff. Wow. 19... Go ahead. 1814, Dolly Madison saves portrait from British. Oh, that's interesting. We were just talking about George Washington portrait. Uh, 1954, the first flight of a C-130 Hercules transport aircraft. One of my favorite planes, 1954. Probably still find that. Now we're talking. That's cool. I like that. We have one of the largest collections of them here, not too far from here. So, In that boneyard? Not only in the boneyard, but in the one side of the is the, when you look at it from space, one side of the road is the boneyard, meaning like scraps, just parts, you know, planes yeah. will never fly again. The other side, though, which is the third largest air force on the planet, uh, is a bunch of planes that just have sort of like white paint on the windows. And they, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, it takes them like a number of hours to get it ready to fly. They'll fly it around a few times and then they land it and put the paint back on. And there's a group of, I think it's contractors at this point, but there's they're constantly planes in the air because they're, they've got this huge amount of these planes that are like moments away from being active again. Mostly we sell those to other countries, but you know they're also in case we have another conventional issue where we need a lot of air power, we've got a lot of it here in Tucson. It doesn't yeah, run. I think, I think people conflate those two places and just call it the boneyard as one like term, but yeah, right. they're, they're different things. When you look at it from space, it looks all the same. It's just that if you really pay attention, half of it, the planes look like they're nice, and the other half, you can see all the, like, you know, where a wing fell off and they took an engine off of one and that kind of thing. What's also neat is if you look at it from space and you look all the way to the east, which would be all the way to the right of Google Maps, there's just a bunch of boxes out there. And whenever we did the convention to get rid of the B-52s, we said, yeah, we won't make any B-52s anymore, but we took apart the factory and we put it here in Tucson a couple of miles from my place. So... If we ever need to make B-52s again, we just put that factory back together and start kicking out B-52s. I thought that was pretty cool. If it wasn't for what happened in 1991 today, we would not be doing this. The World Wide Web is open to the public. Hmm. Interesting. 19 Thanks, Al Gore. Lou Reed <laughs> plays the last show with the Velvet Underground. I am. You got a lot of Lou Reed fans in here? Okay. <laughs> 
I've had a few of their CDs. Velvet Underground's good. Mm-hmm. And really 58, the Marines in Okinawa lined themselves with Chinese uh, for uh, Taiwan. 1990, Saddam Hussein appears on Iraqi state television with a number of Western guests, actually hostages, to try to prevent the Gulf War. Saddam Hussein. Huh. 2011, Libyan leader Gaddafi is overthrown at the National Transitional Council forces. Take, or wait. Was overthrown after a bunch of people take control of some place compound during the 2011 Liby- Libyan civil war. One, two, three, four, four Medal of Honors today. In 1798, uh, the first Marine Corps headquarters was uh, made in Philadelphia. That's cool. That's not even on our list. They usually have military stuff. All right. So that was some history. So we like to talk about that in case that helps you out with having a conversation with somebody out there. Um, looking out at the comments and the uh, YouTube side, looks like lots of people out there, 14 people watching. And. Not too much happening on the gun channel side. Anything else we want to talk about tonight? I'm all out. Right on. I've got some auctions going on eBay. So anybody that wants to help get some gas into the tank so we can get up to the gun rights policy conference middle of next month, uh, that would be great. And uh, Angelina, anything going on over at the Allen Anchor? I've seen a couple of stirrings over there on the Instagram. Um, yeah, we have like a new sticker that's doing pretty good. We got some sticker specials, so good time to stock up. Uh, custom patches, as always. I think that's about it. Shot show's coming up, so I'm going to be doing a lot of, uh, you know, the tablecloths and all that kind of stuff. Patches, stickers. I would imagine people start getting or they're going to start getting ready here sooner than later because they like to get that stuff out of the way before their whole Christmas and Black Friday stuff because they don't have any time between then and SHOT Show, right? Right, and then also, you know, swag for your uh, holiday sale time too. So it's a pretty big thing. So we enter, uh, you know, I guess the busy season, um, probably September. Anybody else got anything coming up? Any shows after this one? Taters? Taters? Uh, yeah, I'm doing a Tater Tube Live. With Barry Dangerous. I don't know if Barry Dangerous is going to be there. Maybe. Maybe he'll show. Maybe he'll show. I uh, got the Ham Radio Crash Course tomorrow. Or I'm sorry, Saturday at 7 p.m. Special day. So special, uh, special event. Oh, so you're not like going live from that swap meet you were talking about? No, although that's a really good idea. I should think about doing that in the, uh, someday. But that swap meet's early in the morning. I will be going to that if anybody. Well, you could go live on the beach area. Yeah, Instagram easy enough. 
No, I could I could do it on a 360 camera to YouTube. I could do live from uh, the the TRW swap me. That's actually not a bad idea. I might just do that for like 30 minutes or so. That could be fun. Yeah, what I would the hell? for the people that watch your stuff, it might be interesting because, um, you know, people might be interested in ham or whatever, but not understand what a, a ham swap is like because it's kind of a neat thing. It's like going to a gun show, right? You could be into guns and have no idea how awesome a gun show can be. That's a that's a really good point. You just, uh, yeah, you changed my mind on that. I think I might stream for 15, 30 minutes, maybe give a little bit of a walk around to people. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. I like yeah. that. So. Follow so that'll on, be uh, the YouTube's. I'll be doing two streams on Saturday. I'll do the swap meet stream in the morning, and then I'll have my uh, my ham radio crash course in the evening. I'll try to remember help helping guys help me remember to uh, remind people tomorrow night. But uh, yeah, that'll be like good for everybody. Then Travis will do his show in the morning. I think he's doing one tomorrow or on Saturday, and then Hosh will do his thing. Rick can do his thing, and then we got Hosh to look forward to in the evening. That'll be on Saturday, though. Saturday, yeah. That's yeah. I have to remember to remind everybody tomorrow. Um, I noticed right before the show went live, he didn't jump in on the gun channel side for us to give him a link, but uh, Sarge got to a thousand over on I think it's YouTube, right? And he's going to be doing oh, some, very good uh, deal for that. So uh, he had an awesome show earlier. Um, I guess he was contemplating getting a laptop, desktop computer, kind of a family computer for him to do videos and his son to do video gaming on. So we talked a bit about that, and that was interesting. I, for example, I had no idea that they make solid state drives to plug into like old PCI ports right on your board. Um, that makes perfect sense. It's super fast bus and everything. I'd never even thought about that. So they're not that expensive, and kind of made me rethink the idea of running a, or building a, a desktop versus another laptop. Um, anyway, we talked a bit about just the basic elements of building a, a desktop and some Q and A. Night Strike was in there, and uh, uh, Rich, who both have pretty good knowledge of building uh, desktops. So that was pretty fun. And, and uh, Sarge, you know, was asking the kind of questions that you'd ask if you kind of have you know, some kind of an overall grasp of it, but looking for details. And uh, anyway, that was a fun chat. Yeah, you know, I want to give a quick shout out. And since you mentioned computers, I bought. So I've been a computer nut for a long time. But I bought a used Lenovo laptop from like 2013 on Amazon for like 200 bucks. It comes with Windows 10. It's been great. It's been like a little go-to laptop, real simple. I can program all my radios on it because it's Windows, and it's super cheap. It's it's awesome. Like the new technology is amazing, and even our old technology is still amazing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it's like for somebody who's not really into computers and jumps into them nowadays, like if they'd be impressed or not. But I can tell you from working on computers from somewhere in the middle of, well, I guess the late 80s and then getting back into them somewhere in the mid 90s and then working on them consistently or constantly every day probably since like 1997. Uh, these things are magic. They're crazy what they can do now. So yeah. I know people appreciate it if you just jump on and think of it like a microwave or something, but... Having that perspective, it blows me away sometimes. Like today, I was transferring, I don't know how many, 37 gigs. <laughs> and I'm just watching it happen, thinking of, you know, just thinking about that. I can't even contemplate 37 gigabytes of data. And this is just some files from earlier in the Gunshow Loophole tour this, earlier this year. This isn't even like a majority of any of my files. In the late 80s, that would have been a oh, whole yeah, building we were transferring. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's, that's one of my favorite things is watching how fast data moves. And how much data I have in like a little thumbstick. 
All right. Well, anybody that wants to have workshops on that kind of stuff, that's what the um, Minuteman University is all about. So um, we'll probably put Sarge's show over there. We're going to start putting uh, more of uh, Clover stuff over there so that people, when they're interested in learning about, like Clover talked about LinkedIn today. Uh, if you had questions about it, it might be worth watching his show to get some different perspective on it. Um, but like something like Sarge's show to talk about computers, we haven't really done too much on the hardware tech side, especially not computers. Usually we end up talking about uh, phones or cameras, but we hardly ever talk about the PCs. But I think that was pretty cool. Anybody wants to do that in the future, since we haven't talked about it a lot, um, I mean, that's the one thing that we all have in common and we never talk about it. We're all on computers right now, or at least phones that are acting like computers. So it is something that whether or not we want to admit it or concentrate on it, we all are pretty familiar with these things. And uh, if you want to get up to speed with some of the rest of us, it's not that tough. You know, once you learn a couple of keyboard shortcuts and some uh, other ways to kind of skip around in a computer quickly, um, you start to figure out that that's possible. And then once you've once you picked them up, I was saying it's like uh, training wheels on a bike. When you first start out, you think you'll never be able to ride that thing without training wheels. And after you've taken them off, you don't remember why you ever needed them. So once you get to where you're uh, kind of using a computer as second nature, um, everybody's better off. You know, you can, if nothing else, you just enjoy your computer more. But if you're trying to get stuff accomplished, you can really slice hours off of your efforts and your time that you're spending on it. So you can spend those hours on actual content instead of just clicking. So if we can help with any of that, let us know. We'll try to do um, uh, workshops live and have people who can ask questions so that they're as useful as possible. Oh, I forgot one thing. I got a podcast now. If you search uh, the Ham Radio Crash Course on your favorite podcast directories, you'll get it. Right on. Did you get to iHeartRadio yet? No, uh, we should talk after this. Um, well, I haven't I looked into that email. yet. I got an email link, so as long as you're on, you've got a feed going, I'll give you a link that can get you right into iHeart. Hopefully. I mean, that's the, one of us has gotten in there, the rest of us are kind of waiting, but at least it's a lead that you don't have to pay for. Okay. All right, so. We should talk. Um, we skip over anybody? Patriot, what you got coming up for the next adventure? I'm just fumbling around trying to, to figure out this video stuff. Um, I feel like you and Taters are in both in Michigan. So either Patriot needs to be riding his bike or doing some kind of wood burning with Taters. Yeah, well, I, I do have a recumbent bike, but that, you know, that's kind of reserved for the daughter and I. So I'm talking about the motorcycle. <laughs> oh. oh yeah. What about if Patriot rides the bike and potato sits on the back on uh, the bitch seat and then like whispers in your ear which way to turn and stuff that could be like a very intimate. that'd be hard to turn around because i'm no nah, i'm not doing that not to butt stuff i'd have to sit backwards on it <laughs> but i guess maybe with a mirror i could probably we could probably make that work you wouldn't even need a mirror dude you could just do a continual selfie or just get a little sidecar i just want to see the video of this <laughs> me too recumbent sidecar all right who says who 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 is commenting on something being from California? Because that sounds like some California stuff right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, everybody, uh, thanks for watching and listening. Uh,
people to join us live. It's what it's all about because we're really trying to not just put a radio show on the internet. We're not trying to emulate the old-fashioned stuff. We're trying to play with the internet here, put some stuff up there that's a little different than the rest, give people ideas, encourage people to do their projects, and really make this interactive as possible. So uh, that's not possible without someone out there to interact with. So uh, the more comments that we get, the more the show can uh, you know, adapt to them. So thanks for being here. For some of you, I know it's really late. But for people on the West Coast, really, we have a lot more people from the West Coast, right? It's only 10 o'clock here now. Anyway, let's share the show if you want. Otherwise, somebody want to read that quote? Or did Angelina already? I think I got, uh, I got delegated to read it. So. Right on. I'll just throw out there one more time. We've got the auctions going on, on eBay, trying to raise some funds to get gas in the tank, get up to that gun rights policy conference. So if you'd like to be part of that adventure, making that adventure happen, we do appreciate it. Thanks, Gary. Okay. And our quote for the day is from James Berg. And the quote is, No kingdom can be secured otherwise than by arming the people. The possession of arms is the distinction between a free man and a slave. The guys and gals of GunWebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching GunWebsites.com.